today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. The whole idea of perseverance is very active, not in such a defensive way of guarding against things that are going, but really and truly in a very offensive way, that we are pushing forward, that we are moving forward in our lives with a desire to grow, with a desire to see Jesus again magnified in our lives, letting nothing stand in our way of being pilgrims in progress. That means we are progressing, we are moving forward in our lives. It does also hold the idea of being steadfast and being immovable. I understand that too. And there are times that, man, you're you're doing good just to stand your own against the attacks. As believers in Christ, we're not called to simply stand still. Instead, the Lord wants us to make forward progress in our faith and in our walk with Him. In today's message, Pastor David encourages us to not grow weary in doing good, but to persevere in righteousness even when the going gets tough. Though we may be pressed down on every side, the Lord is with us, holding us and helping us to overcome, gain ground, and defeat our foe. Jesus promises that nothing can separate us from his love, and so we bravely march on. Now here's Pastor David with part two of his message, A Radical Call, from the book of 2 Peter. He deals with the reality of what it means to be truly born again. Now really, do you realize how radical that is? He's telling people, you want to follow me? Let me tell you what it's going to cost for you to follow me. To really and truly be born again, what you need to do is you need to deny self. Then you need to take up that instrument of death, not only prepared to die, and willing to die, but dying to self, then you can come and follow me. And that whole idea of following me, I've read the, the, the footsteps of Jesus, the cute little poem and all, and then it's fine. But you know what? What Jesus means by following me is that as my disciple, you hear my teachings and you willingly obey those teachings as my disciple, as one who follows me. It would appear on the surface as we look at this, if we just look at it in a casual sense there in Mark. It would just appear on the surface that what Jesus was saying, if you're going to truly follow me, you must deny yourself. You must be willing and be prepared to die. As a matter of fact, you need to lose your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel. But if you were to take this study and really be able to do a, a, an in-depth word study in the original languages, if you were to take it back to, the again, the, 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 the context of which it's written, who he's speaking to, and the time in which he's writing or, or speaking these things, then really what Jesus was saying is, is if you're going to truly follow me, you've got to deny yourself. If you're really going to follow me, you must be willing and be prepared to die. 
What he says is, is as a matter of fact, you need to lose your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel. You see, the message doesn't change. Rather simple or deep, it is the same message. If I'm going to say that I'm following Jesus, it's got to be a life change within me. It's not simply, do you want to get a ticket to heaven? Sure, amen, yes. Well, pray this prayer and you've got it. And the unfortunate reality is, is in many places, particularly within our culture, that is the call to Christianity. Do you want to spend an eternity in hell? Or do you want to spend an eternity in heaven? I want to go to heaven. Who wouldn't in their own, you know, in their right mind? But what if the question, what if the asking would be, what if the invitation was, how many are ready to die to your plans, to your future? How many of you are willing to submit everything that you have, your time, your talents, your treasure? How many of you are willing to, if need be, forsake your family and everything that you've planned in life? How many of you are willing to die to self, to know that your sin is forgiven and to enter into relationship with Almighty God? Because that's the only way that eternity is assured. That's the only way that relationship with God ever comes. It doesn't come through the simplicity of, I want to go to heaven. It comes through the reality of, I need to die to self in order that Christ might live through me. That's radical. That's a radical message that is not being preached very much within the church of today. It's, it's not easy believism by any stretch of the imagination. And the problem is, is easy believism is what's filling the pews and unfortunately many pulpits in our nation and in our culture today. I used to say, to be an effective follower of Jesus, you need to die to self. But you know what? That's not true. That's not even biblical. The biblical truth is, is to be actually a true and an actual follower of Jesus. You have to die to self. Because you see, I can't be a follower of Jesus and just say, well, I'm just an ineffective follower of Jesus. Because I only got this much of Jesus. But I guess it was enough to get me into heaven. There's one who preached the message not long ago, and he says, only 50 cents worth of Jesus, please. Not, not enough to change my life, not enough to change my direction, not enough to hold me back from the things I want to do in this life, but just enough, just enough. Jesus doesn't split himself up. He doesn't divide himself. It's all or nothing at all. All or nothing at all. Jesus said, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Right now, some of you might be looking at me sideways. You might be thinking in your own mind, oh, that's easy for you to say. After all, you're a pastor. You're, you're a preacher. You're a, you're a ooh, minister of the gospel. But you see, the problem is, is I still carry around this carcass of flesh also. I still battle with this flesh 
day in and day out, moment by moment, okay? The flesh is still there. And I have to continually die to self. I have to continually recognize, oh man, that's not the Spirit of God that's speaking through me. That's not the Spirit of God that's leading this thought. That's not the Spirit of God that's causing this action to take place. No, that's my flesh. Lord, I again, I again submit my flesh to you. Every time I think that I've died, every time I think that I've sealed the coffin on the death of this flesh, the flesh keeps banging away, knocking another nail out of the coffin, and pretty soon his old ugly self is right there again. So it remains that continual process, that continual process of dying daily, sometimes that moment by moment. Why? Because self wants to be in control, yet self must be under control under the control of the Spirit of God, to the point of dying to self in order that Christ might live in me. As a matter of fact, I got to thinking when I was studying on this, I got to think, how radical would this be? To get a t-shirt, and on the front of that t-shirt, blazoned in really bold letters, death to self, death to self. Everybody looked at that and says, wow, that's kind of morbid kind of a thought you got going on there. I can see death to this guy or this, but death to self. And then on the back of it have something like maybe Galatians 2.20. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, who gave himself for me. Maybe that'll kind of help me remember. Death to self, but let Christ live. Maybe even Galatians 5.24, where he says, and those who are Christ's, those who are believers, those who are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. You know what? We can only say those kinds of things. We can only live those kinds of things when we are with all diligence, as Peter says, adding to our faith moral excellence, adding to our faith relationship knowledge of the Almighty, adding to our faith that control of self, bringing self down, dying to self. And we only do that even as he continues on here in verse 6. We do that now with perseverance. Add to my self-control, perseverance. That's the next trait. And again, the King James Version has the word patience. Patience. Add to your self-control, patience. But the problem is, I don't know about you, but patience to me seems like way too passive of a word. Patience to me is I'm, I'm sitting back waiting. I'm just going, okay. And, and most of you that know me know that I'm not good at patience anyway, okay? But that's not really what the word that, that Peter wrote means. The word that Peter wrote and, and many other translations use it. It has that idea of perseverance and endurance, Rather than passive patience, it's a very active and moving, persevering and enduring. That's part of that race that we're in. If we're going to run that race and run it correctly, we are with all diligence adding perseverance in our life. Why? Because along that marathon run, suddenly here's a hurdle. And you think, man, I've already run all these miles. Now they're going to throw a hurdle in front of me? Are you kidding me? 
And so you jump that hurdle and then you think, okay, that's great. No, you go around the corner and boom, there's another hurdle. You think, this is nuts. Then you turn the next corner and there's a lake and you got to dive in and you got to swim. And the current, unfortunately, is going against you. I don't know about you, but for most believers I know, that's the reality of our Christian lives. That it's not just an easy coast down the stream, sitting in my rowboat, going with the flow. I learned long ago, when you turn and go against the stream, well, first of all, going downstream seems to be pretty easy. But when you turn and go upstream, then you start running into all kinds of old dead fish and everything else that's floating down the river. It becomes more difficult. And we are called to go upstream in our life. This whole idea, perseverance. When we, when we looked at self-control, we understood that it directed more towards combating those, those sensual, those physical pleasures of our life. That's the understanding of what self-control is. But with perseverance, we're dealing with struggles that are outside of our life, the battles that we're going to run into in our life. These things that work against us to derail us, to knock us off course in our life. The whole idea of perseverance is very active, not in such a defensive way of guarding against things that are going, but really and truly in a very offensive way, that we are pushing forward, that we are moving forward in our lives with a desire to grow, with a desire to see Jesus again magnified in our lives, letting nothing stand in our way of being pilgrims in progress. That means we are progressing, we are moving forward in our lives. It does also hold the idea of being steadfast and being immovable. I understand that too. And there are times that, man, you're, you're doing good just to stand your own against the attacks. But beloved, we as believers are not called simply to stand still. We are to persevere. We are to move forward in our walk in Christ. And that's the exact idea that the Apostle Paul shared with the church of Galatia. In Galatians 6, 9, he says, let us not become weary in doing good. What does that mean? That means that I'm doing something. That means that I'm moving forward. He says, don't become weary in doing good, in doing the right thing. For at the proper time, we will reap the harvest if we don't give up if we don't give up. The race is hard. The race is long. But it's through faithful perseverance and the equipping power of the Holy Spirit that we receive that reward. James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 12, he says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Perseverance. Let's move on. The fifth characteristic. To faith add virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, then to perseverance godliness. Godliness. And again, godliness has kind of a twofold meaning. It has the meaning of our vertical as well as the horizontal relationship that we have. It deals with our relationship with God, and it also deals on how people can see God in and through us, how we respond and live according to God's plan and purpose in our life. If we're going to live in godliness, it will be evident both to God as well as to the people that are around us. And again, 
There's no way that we can even begin to get to that point of godliness until these other things have been added into our lives. With this characteristic of godliness in our lives, we ought to be those who, again, are are moving and pressing on toward that relationship in a continual basis. And I'm not talking about perfection, because if perfection was the standard, you know what? None of us would make it. None of us. Why even enter the race? Because I know that I'm going to trip somewhere along there. I know there's going to be a hurdle that's going to be too high for me, or I'm going to be too tired. I'm going to stumble. I know that's going to happen, but I continue on. I press on toward that goal. I keep moving forward in what God has called for me to do. So godliness is not perfection, but godliness does have that call of living a life that is continually, persistently, and purposefully moving in the right direction. It's amazing to watch these marathons. For Solomon Candy, who got there in two hours and 21 minutes, what an amazing feat. But you know that there are some that ran that race that didn't get through there till after six hours, but they ran the race. They ran the race. And beloved, for some of us, it's a struggle, it's a battle, and it seems like every day the battle just gets harder and harder. But we are in the race. Keep running the race. Keep moving forward. And as I've shared with you many times, when you stumble, when you fall, fall forward. Fall forward. In order that you might get back up and keep moving forward. There's no easy path to being a godly man or a godly woman. Again, it's not like, Lord, just do that thing you do. Just make make me godly. You made me in the flesh. Surely you can make me godly. But that's not the call in our life. He calls for us to make right choices, right decisions, consistently choosing the right path, the path that glorifies God and blesses those that surround us. And yes, even our enemies. This is another thing, when I say vertical and horizontal, if I say I've got a great and a wonderful relationship with God, God and I, we are just like that. Of course, he's the tall one, but we are so tight, God and I. And yet I look around and I say, but I don't like him and I don't care for him and I don't care for him. The word of God says we can't do that. As a matter of fact, the Word of God says just the opposite. John says, you say that you love God, but you hate your brother, then the truth's not in you, and you're still in darkness. That means that I've got to love him. I've got to love her, but Lord, do you understand what they did, what they said to me and about me, what, they, what, 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 what took place in all of that? And God is saying, yes, I do. Do you understand what happened to my son, what they did to him? But he did it because of love. We are called to love. And part of godliness is that love and that care for one another. Convenience and ease are very seldom the purpose for the actions of a godly man or a godly woman. They choose to do the right thing regardless of cost and regardless of personal sacrifice. That's what a godly man does. It's what a godly woman does. I'm going to do the right thing. That goodness does not equate godliness. Goodness does not equate with godliness. Godliness will bring about goodness, but there's a lot of people in the world that are doing good things, and yet they are far from God. 
You understand that. So it's not just that I start doing good things. No, it is that vertical relationship as well as the horizontal relationship. Doing good things is good. And I'm glad that people are doing good things in the world. I'm glad that that's there and that there's a lot of positive things that we can look. Yes, even in this dark world. But the problem is, is for many of those, they're still missing out on the relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. And although good does not equate with godly, we as desiring to be godly men and women, we need to be doing good things. That's part of that moral excellence also that he gives a little bit earlier, that virtue that we read in King James or New King James, adding to our faith these things. Of all the virtues and of all the traits that we've looked at thus far, Godliness appears to me probably to be the most challenging of all of these. And yet, when you look at all of these other characteristics, the moral excellence, the having this ongoing, this growing knowledge uh, by relationship with God, having self under control, under the control of the Holy Spirit, a, a willingness in our lives to persevere even under the attack and even under the hardships of life. If all of these things are already ours and they're, they're being a part of our lives and they're growing in our lives, then you know what? Then godliness actually and truly will become almost a natural choice in your life. You'll want to choose godliness. And I say natural, and I guess really and truly it would be supernatural. It'll be the supernatural thing that God does in our life. You're not going to just jump into this thing. It is a process. We are pilgrims in process. That's what First Peter was about. Here, now, as we look at Second Peter, you and I are called to be guardians of the faith. And how in the world can I be a guardian of the faith? How can I be one who stands in the truth, in the knowledge of the truth, living in the truth, if I'm not really the man or the woman that God's called me to be? I don't know where all of you are today in your spiritual walk. But I do know this. I'm absolutely confident of this, that there are many, many, many that go to church week in and week out, year in and year out, decade in and decade out, that are just trying to do the good thing, just trying to do the right thing. But they do not have relationship with Jesus Christ. They have never really truly come to that earlier point of saying, you know, I need to die to self. My self is still so much in control of my life the things of God, I don't know, if, if it comes across my path, I'll try to do the right thing. But there's no hungering for the things of God. There's no real thirsting for the things of God. I'm just trying to be a good guy, just trying to be a good gal, trying to do the right thing. But as Jesus said in Matthew, there's going to be many in that day that are going to come up to me and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done all of these good things in your name? And you know what the answer is, don't you? He says, depart from me. Because you didn't do enough good things. So that means you need to try hard. No, that's not what he says. That's not what he says. I just do that to make sure you're listening, okay? He says, depart from me because I never knew you. I never knew you. We're so delighted you were able to join us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 2 Peter. 
If today's message has sparked your interest and you want to hear more, we invite you to visit theopenword.com to find teachings throughout Scripture from Pastor David. Another great way to hear each new teaching as it's made available is to subscribe to the Open Word podcast on iTunes. You'll never miss a teaching and you'll have it available to you no matter where you go. You'll find a link at theopenword.com. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and here to bring you a personal invitation to join us is Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. You know, I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning, as well as Wednesday evening and Saturday evening at 6.30. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thank you, Pastor David. If you're in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, be sure to drop in soon to experience a service with our group of imperfect but redeemed believers. Once again, you'll find service times and directions along with more information about us when you visit theopenword.com. That's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us again for more insights into the book of 2 Peter right here on The Open Word. Make us more